All right, welcome everyone to the year that was dot dot dot. This is 1997, and I am your host Aaron Maxson, joined along with uh, tonight just one co-host. Unless anybody else jumps in here in a little bit, uh, my brother Nate. What's up, Nate? Hello, everyone. Fearless leader of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Network, super amazing super shows or whatever it is. <laughs> super yeah. shows on the superstation. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we got a bunch of them, um, and this is just one of them, and it's um, obviously, like I said, my show, and it's a calendar year of professional wrestling by the big two companies at the time, which is here was uh, WCW, obviously, and WWF. Um, we're in the height of the Monday Night Wars. We're in July. Um, it's a good time. We're almost cut. I mean, it's, it's middle of the year. Things are changing. WWF's um, you know, they're, they're starting to finally, uh, how do I say it? Um, taking the next step to go a little further and guess what? I think it's working, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. Um, just in case you guys don't know, my internet's being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The WWF is, uh, you're as, as 97 progresses, they push the envelope. Just a little bit more each week. And then by the end of 97, they've completely pushed the envelope off the desk. Yes, Vince finally got comfortable with it and was like, hey, this is working. So it's time for gold dust and a ball gag, pal. And and, um, just a bunch of different stuff's going on. So um, what we'll do is we'll just jump right into it unless you got anything else. Nope. All right, the raw that we're going to talk, we're going to discuss raw first this week because both uh, both uh, Nitro technically wasn't on Monday, so I was like, eh, I'll just do them in the order. Um, Nitro got from preempted to Tuesday this week, um, but anyway, uh, so we're going to start with Monday Night Raw, and this Monday Night Raw, um. But like I said, this is July twenty, July twenty first, nineteen ninety seven, Halifax, Nova Scotia, and um, Raw doesn't have a competitor this night, um, so they're running unopposed. Uh, the video opens the show, uh, <coughs> showing Bret Hart being loved by Canada and hated in America. It also hypes the Hart Foundation versus three Americans. In a flag match later tonight. They don't tell us which three Americans. We have no idea. We just know that it's going to happen. Um, the opening contest of this match. Is, of this show. Sorry. Is Big Van Vader with Paul Bear Versus Ken Shamrock. Um, Ken Shamrock cuts a promo about the British Bulldog. And how he's going to make him eat dog food at SummerSlam. Um after his promo, obviously, that's when Vader makes his entrance. Um, and I do got to say that these two worked quite a bit with each other in the WWF. And I actually liked when Ken Shamrock would wrestle Big Van Vader. Well, Ken Shamrock's a guy that can take Big Van Vader's potatoes, you know? Yeah, and not <laughs> complain about it. And he can give them back to him, you know, and, and he could throw Vader around and Vader could throw him around. I just think they had good chemistry together and I wish they would have had a little bit of a, a little bit of a longer, like more, um, I don't want to say it 
consistent feud. Mm-hmm. Like they'd 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 have little dust ups and then it'd be over, and they'd have little dust ups and then it'd be over. It's like I wish it would have been like a a longer thing, but um, uh, Ken Shamrock ends up uh, um, getting knocked outside the ring. Bulldog comes out and he ends up slamming Shamrock on the ramp uh, behind the referee's back. Um, this goes on some more, and Vader ends up winning via countout because, like I said, Bulldog knocked out um, Ken Shamrock by slamming him on the steel step or in the steel ramp. Kind of a weak finish, but it is what it is. You're hyping the batch for the pay per view. Yeah. Um, who was the ring announcer? Was it Tony Chimmel? I believe so. I just always Ken think it's Chimmel. funny because Tony Tony Chimmel always sounded like he was calling Ken Shamrock Kenna Shimrock. Ken Shimrock. Kenna Shimrock. And he had different weird ways of saying people's names. <laughs> um, the uh, like I said, the, Shamrock gets counted out because of being knocked out on the steel steel ramp, and then. Um, I, I had an observation. Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter what country you're in. There's always hillbillies and rednecks. <laughs> okay? There's always hillbillies and rednecks. Um, the, because, uh, yeah, like the WWF used to go out, used to go out and, like, interview their fans in the crowd, like, out before the show. Well, they mm-hmm. did that here in Canada, and it's just, it's just Canadian hillbillies. <laughs> so it is. <laughs> It's, it's the same hillbillies just with Canadian accents and it, it's the same thing and um, and honestly they ended up having money and stuff but the hearts were kind of Canadian hillbillies too yeah <laughs> mountain people or rednecks or whatever but anyway um, so they're all interviewing them talking about how much they love uh, the heart foundation and Canada and America sulks and all this, that, and the other thing. And then we get a um, awful promo from Brockus. He's uncommon to the WWF uncommon. Yeah, uncommon. The funny thing, the funny thing about him is in the um, in the first in the first few. I don't know if this is the first one or not, but in the first couple of. Um, the little promo skits they do with him, you think he's a heel, but he's actually talking about coming to beat up the heels. Yeah, he's talking about Bret Hart and Farouk. Fate. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's not any good. That dude sucked. Everybody said he was a nice dude and that his wife was like super hot, <laughs> but like he was just like awful and they're like nobody wants you here yeah. <laughs> if you weren't such that, a nice uh, it, it, it's it's yeah that's what i was gonna say it's one of those things sometimes it just doesn't like he had a he had a great look you know so you look at him and you go we can might be able to market this guy but you don't know he's gonna suck until you get him in there yep and and you know it's like once the bell rings maybe he just wasn't made to be a pro wrestler you they know? even had him they even had him with brett like like mm-hmm. brett had that little it wasn't technically a school, but he had like a little core group of guys that he was working with, like right before he left. That's why he had a ring and everything in his house because Vince yeah. gave it to him and had the Canadian guys go up there, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, he was trying to kind of 
I think he was trying to start doing what his dad was doing, just not as brutal. Right. You know? Um, but then Vince McMahon brings out the Heart Foundation. Um, Brett says that he's glad he's back in God's country and in America's shape, just like a toilet bowl because it's full of crap. Um, <clears throat> Brett wants Undertaker in the six man, Bulldog wants Shamrock, and Owen wants Austin. Um, <laughs> and Owen, um, Talks about the kiss my ass stipulation that Steve Austin wants to do. Or if you can't kick his ass, he'll kiss it. And he calls him a little pervert and says, you can't kiss my, you can't kiss my ass, but you can suck my toes. And <laughs> <laughs> man's like, what the hell? <laughs> I don't know why it was so funny. You can't kiss my ass. You can suck my toes, you little pervert. <laughs> oh, oh, I knew that was funny. Uh, I just thought it was great. And then Owen, like I said, he sells that to Steve Austin. Um, then Steve Austin, he comes out, he bashes Canada and the Hart Foundation, and then he says he doesn't care if the other two are in it. If there's anybody other, all the, any other two wrestlers in it, he's going to be in the flag match tonight. So Steve Austin has said that he will be one of the Americans later on this evening. So I thought it was a fun little segment. Um then we discuss um, uh, the the Los Periquas and the DOA being suspended um, for a week, but we'll uh, they'll be facing each other at SummerSlam. At least they're giving us a week off. Yeah, that's nice. Like, it, it, this 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 feud really is my your your Mongo Jarrett rule. This is my rule I have with. <laughs> Los Periquas and DOA. Like I said, I like, I like, it's funny because I like all the wrestlers pretty much involved, but combined, I can't stand it. It's so boring. Yeah. I just, it needs to go away. Um, hold on. Sorry. Give me a second. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, I lost my spot for a minute. Um, the next match um, is is Brian Christopher versus a guy that I didn't remember him ever being on WWF, and I know nothing about him. Brian Walsh. Brian Walsh. How did you know? That? Did you watch this, or did you uh, probably see about it in your in your newsletters? No, well, no, I, I didn't. I, I mean, I remembered it. I remembered it once I've seen it. But I mean, I actually do have a I follow along with you on my computer as I oh, go through the shows. But yeah. um, just so just so, I, and the other reason is just so that, you know, if I can see something that's coming up and I can formulate a thought. But oh, no, I just isn't, Bri isn't Brian Walsh the guy that looked like he was like. Didn't he look like he's like Bob Backlund's illegitimate son? Like he, look, I just, he looked like a, he looked like a Malky Backlund. Yeah, like that's what I was gonna say. I just remember a guy that looked that like he was kind of paunchy, that had like kind of floppy hair. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> but he's here, and I don't ever remember him being anywhere else. I mean, he might have been on a shotgun Saturday night or a superstars or something. 
but I don't ever remember this dude ever being on Raw before. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. I think he's only on this show because he was probably from Canada. And the, the Vince had at this time Vince had the most non-committal light heavyweight division in wrestling history. It was like I have Brian Christopher and Taka Michinoku, and then I'm not. I'm not. I'm not dissing the fact that Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton were there or whoever, but it was just like he just. He just took a bunch of guys and said, "This is this is it's not it's a lightweight division, but it's not. They might have a one night deal, but they're going to be in a lightweight yeah. title match." Or whatever. he was less interested in that than he ever was in like tag team wrestling. People yeah. say he hates tag team wrestling, but he, yeah, he didn't give it. He didn't give a shit about this light heavyweight division. <laughs> like you know, this was probably just like shut the fuck up, Jim. Like mm-hmm. to Jim Cornette, it's like you can just have it. Fuck, god damn. <laughs> God damn, pal. Yeah, they said he'd yeah. go one. Of, he'd go one of two ways, and he'd just keep bringing shit up. He'd either let you do it and let it fail, so you can learn, so you can learn how it feels to fail. Or if you push something too long, he would never want to hear about it again. Yeah, and it would totally fuck somebody over. Like, like they'd have to tell Heyman, like, stop, just stop bringing it up. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's gonna get pissed, and you're never gonna win. I don't, but so that's what I think this division was. It was either Jim Ross, Jim Cornette, or the collection of both, and just saying, fuck it, do it. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, we see footage from Shotgun Saturday night of uh, Brian Christopher and Jerry Lawler beating up Scott Putzky again. Um, I just keep kicking the shit out of this guy. Um, um, then it's uh, the commentary, it's mostly them just doing, they're not talking about the match. It's more of talking about Brian Christopher being Jerry Lawler's son. Lawler says, like, Vince McMahon says the, the, the facial the facial structure and everything is very, very um, similar. And Lawler's like, what are you talking about? We don't look nothing alike. I know you could confuse us for our bodies. There's no <laughs> way that our faces look alike. And it's like your bodies. What are you talking about? Like, he's like, he's... Muscular and you're pongy and all this but I just thought it was funny. Um, but Brian Christopher obviously ends up winning that match. Um, no way that wasn't gonna happen. Right. Um, and then we get a Truth Commission video. Uh, their Raw debut is next week. Uh, even though they say they're debuting next week, but I think they've already been on like some shotguns and. Does the video does the video still have tank in it? I think so. Because originally, originally, for for those of you that don't know, Mantar was a part of the original Truth Commission (laughs) in the USWA because that's where they started the gimmick, and he wrestled under a mask named Tank. And then I'm pretty sure the first TV taping that they were in, Tank was there, but then they. Either his mat, either his matches didn't air. I remember seeing them, but I think it might have just been in the preview videos. Like they never actually aired any of the matches he was in. But yeah, yeah, he tanked. <laughs> and then I think they're it's a bunch of bull. Yeah, well, they replaced him with bull. Yeah. <laughs> um. Which understated run for that dude and i think that dude was an underrated talent in my opinion mm-hmm. he was always just given 
want to say lame gimmicks, but I don't think that dude needed so many gimmicks. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was always he was always a second or third wheel. Yeah, and I think he was I think he was better than that. I do. I think he just was. Like it's not the same thing, but I, I he's almost like you guys don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about Bull Buchanan, and this might be out of left field, but he reminds me of Booker T. If that makes sense. Like a big guy that shouldn't be like Booker T shouldn't have been like with how big he was and everything. He shouldn't have been as good as what he was. But I think, I think bull had the same type of like talent in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But I don't know. I don't. And and I don't know if you know this or not. Um, You might not. Cause I know you don't watch a lot of the modern product, but um, you know, Brooks Jensen is an NXT. No. Mm, Okay. He's in a tag. He's in a tag. He's in a tag team in NXT, and he's actually Bull Buchanan's son. I was just, I was being funny. I was like, "It's that Bull Buchanan's son," and you're like, "Yes, yeah, actually, son. it is." But anyway, well, good for him. Um, is he good? Like his dad? Yeah, yeah. His he's his tag team is actually really good. With uh, <laughs> funny thing, I'm like, they're a really good tag team, but I can't remember the other guy's name at the moment. But anyway, All right. yeah, they're they're good. They're good. All right. Um. <clears throat> Excuse me, and then uh, Sable and Mark Marrow, they're out and they hype the. I've started calling it the million dollar hustle, <laughs> but it's the SummerSlam million dollar contest or whatever. It's just them trying to get you to fucking give you their address so they can put you on a mailing list. And there was no way anybody was going to win that fucking money. But it is going to be a fun little thing that we have coming up here at SummerSlam. With some wonderful people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's always nice when you can, we, as, as Bob Packman would say, when the plebeians can join the show. Yes. Um, then Jim Ross um, discusses Dude Love with Mankind in a video plays of Dude Love and his journey to the WWF Tag Team Championships. And... Um, Steve Austin says he still doesn't want him as a partner. <laughs> I just don't want the guy as my partner. And then uh, the Legion of Doom cut a promo on the Godwins going into SummerSlam. And then the Godwins versus the next match is the Godwins versus the Blackjacks versus the Headbangers in a three-way dance. The winners get a title shot at Raw next week. Um <sighs> I think I think we've talked about it before, but I think the new Black Jacks was such a fucking waste. Yeah. They should have yeah. just been Barry. Why can't it just been Barry Windham and fucking Justin Hawk Bradshaw? Right. The Widowmaker and Justin Hawk. That's cool. Yeah. Instead of you know trying I mean? to rehash. The other thing I'm gonna say really quick is um and I th- I think the reason is the era, well, I guess not necessarily with the headbangers because they did they did still wrestle into the into the two thousands. But um, the Godwins and the headbangers get ignored a lot when people talk about great tag teams, and I think it's ma- mainly because of the era they wrestled in because they were you know by the time by the time the big at- by the time the Attitude Era really kicked in, the Godwins were as a team were pretty much done. Yeah. And the headbangers had been moved down the card. 
Yeah, they basically became the not not knocking them, but they basically became the bushwhackers. Yeah, but I think that there is a case to be made at some point down the line for one or both of those teams to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I do too. I think the Godwins definitely should be. Um, I don't see any reason why the Headbangers shouldn't be either. Um, I just they were. They were in that funky time when, like I said, they just Vince didn't really care about tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like, like the '80s, he had to because it was just so huge, and like, it, like there were great tag teams fucking everywhere, you know? Cause, yeah. Just cause, I mean, well, I'd say '85 to what, probably '90. Both companies had their best tag, like the best tag teams in the world. In the hit, how do I say the best tag teams in the history of professional wrestling? I think we're hitting at least that I know of. You know what I mean? We're hitting from like eighty-five to ninety. That's like yeah. the best. I mean, year the, the, the only run of tag team wrestling. The only, the only, <clears throat> the only thing I, I would agree. I would, I would even, I would even take it back a year earlier. I'd say from eighty-four yeah. to ninety. But yeah, I agree. I agree. Totally, like I totally. never, I, I never got to but, see like. Harley Race and and Max mm-hmm. team up. So I'm, and I'm sure they were great. I mean, that team ter- terrifies me. Just looking at pictures of them, I'm like Jesus Christ. Could you imagine being the guy that has to show up to the building? Be like, who are we working today? <laughs> well, oh, if you think if you, with Harley Race and Larry Hennig, like what? <laughs> and, and it, well, and if you think about it, from 2000, from maybe like 299, late 99 until 2003. When you had, I mean, during that Attitude Era, there was there was a big tag team resurgence with like the Dudleys and Edge and Christian and the Hardys. It but, was like five teams, right? That's what I was gonna say. It was instead of instead of uh, instead of like twenty nine great tag teams at once, it was like four great tag teams and then twenty five others. So so they all right, you know. Right. But yeah, yeah. Five really good teams, and then twenty guys that we we don't have anything else for them, so we're just gonna put them in tag teams. Put them in a tag team, yeah, and see what happens. Um, probably the biggest success out of that. Well, I was just about to say it would be uh, Scotty and Brian that we were just talking about, but the most successful. Let's just put two guys together and see what the fuck happens. Or Billy Gunn and Road Dog, but yep. Anyway, um. He said Legion of Doom, they cut that promo. Got kind of in the weeds there. It's my fault. Um the headbangers end up mistiming doing a mistiming thing and take each other out. And uh Phineas hits Bradshaw with the bucket and Henry pins Bradshaw. And next week the Godwins um the Godwins get a tag team title shot next week. So they'll be facing uh, Dude Love and Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the Godwin brothers. <laughs> Godwin cousins. So probably both. They are from Arkansas. Um, so that match is going to happen. Um, then Jim Ross introduces Shawn Michaels. Um, um, Shawn... Um, Comes out, he does the suck it thing. This is before it's really a thing. Um, he salutes the American flag because they have both the flags hanging up because of the flag matches coming up later on tonight. Um, and then he proceeds to climb up on the top rope and do a backflip 
for no reason in 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 like yeah. loafers. Yes, but it was a reason. Um, it's because he was being an asshole because people were basically telling him that his knee wasn't really hurt. So he was like, fuck it. If they're saying it's not hurt, I'll just do a backflip. <laughs> like that was this thing. Like, like he knew he could do it because he knew what his knee was capable. Like he knew his knee was hurt, but he knew what his knee was capable of. But he said, if they want to think I'm faking it, I'll just say, oh, my knee's all fucked up. And then I'm going to go out there and I'm gonna do a backflip. And then I'm going to come back and be like, my knee's all fucked up. <laughs> I just, I just remember like, to me, it's always like, like that's legitimately why he did it. Yeah. Yeah. But I always just remembered Shawn Michaels doing this backflip in pet in like loafers and khaki shorts. But yeah, <laughs> that's the other reason he did it. Like I'm, I'm my fucking knees fucked up and I can still do this shit in loafers and a fucking khakis. But um, Brett even talks about it in his book. He's like, Sean, out there saying his knees all fucked up. He's doing backflips and shit. (laughs) 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 I wish there was just footage of like Brett watching Sean doing (laughs) things. You know what I mean? Just like, you know, he's going to back like that motherfucking son. Anyway. I picture uh, a dis- disappointed Brett face. It's not even disappointment at this point. It's just disgust. <laughs> He's turning into Ole Anderson, too, which there's no problem with that. I like, like I said, I've always said you can, you can, you can, you can be a prick. You can't be an unfunny prick. Like, that's why I don't mind Ole being a prick because he's a funny prick. <laughs> and Brett's a funny prick. And he's just, that's what he's starting to become. He's becoming Oli. That's great. Um, but anyway, um, Sean ends up calling Jim Ross Girth Brooks. Um, he slams Canada and says, America. Um, <laughs> he asked Jim Ross if he knows why America doesn't fall into the ocean. And do your, note, do your notes say what that is, what the reason is? It's fine if it doesn't, because I can tell you. No. No. He says the reason America doesn't fall into the ocean is because Canada sucks. <laughs> keeping us connected. And the people lose their mind. Um, and then HBK says he's going into the flag match. And um, and then announces that he is going to be remember how was it last week, a couple weeks ago, he asked Vince for a ticket to, re- to SummerSlam. Remember that? Well, yes. he's got more than a ticket. He's now going to be the referee of the match between The Undertaker and Bret the Hitman Hart. I'm going to be the special referee. Jay says he's going to stay impartial. Um, he's going to call it right down the middle. And they said that if for any reason he um, leans towards The Undertaker or screws Bret at SummerSlam, He'll have the same stipulation that Brett has. If Brett can't win the belt, he will no longer wrestle in the USA as well. So, and I will be, I will be just so everybody knows that listens to this show. Once we get, once we get through SummerSlam, um, whenever Brett or Sean or anything having to do with Brett or Sean is on, most likely we will be getting into deep cut conversations about things that were said in Brett's book and things that were said on wrestling with shadows because they're after SummerSlam hits. There is a lot going on till survivor series. Oh yeah. 
SummerSlam is when the fight, and we'll, and, and we'll get to it. But SummerSlam, when Brett begins to see that Vince and Sean are replacing Brett as the top heel with Sean, Brett gets pissed. And that's when shit really, <laughs> really starts to fucking landslide. I mean, we'll get into it when we get there, but. I don't think that company was in ever in as much like fucking upheaval like ever than it was when those two were in that fucking locker room together. Especially after SummerSlam. That's Especially what I'm saying. After SummerSlam. Nothing was ever that bad. Even in the 80s when some guy might be mad about this or mad about that, they all knew where the fucking bread was buttered. You know what I mean? Nobody was saying, like, they all knew fucking the Hawks were in the goddamn money. You know, so don't fuck with him. They might fuck with each other. Yeah, or whatever. probably, probably the and, and I, we definitely won't get into the weeds on this, but probably the the next to closest, most toxic thing to this to the Brett Sean shit is all the shit with uh, Punk and them at AEW. Yeah, that's probably like Brett and Sean's probably the most toxic. I was just talking this like specifically. Oh, I know. I know. locker room, you know, because like in that mm-hmm. '80s locker room, everybody was like, "We're making our money." Like we got fucking three shows going on a night. Hulk's Hulk's fucking steering the ship. Just follow along with him. You know what I mean? Like, bye. Yeah. But yeah, it's like Bobby said. I just got on Hogan's fucking coattails and made a bunch of money. <laughs> um. So the next match. Is uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley with trip with Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Helmsley with Triple H? If he could have booked that in 2002, 2003, they probably would have happened. <laughs> I want to manage myself. I yeah. am uh, the game uh, managing uh, the, the game. game uh, we are the game. Uh, like if he could have a picture of himself welcoming himself to the performance center. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I am into like in my I, I don't I'm sorry. But okay. I'm into watching in my chronological order. I'm into 2000, so I'm I'm on the road to WrestleMania 2000, okay? Yeah. And there's a there's a raw from the Georgia Dome where <laughs> like usually like nothing like when you're watching rock Versus anybody on the mic, Rock is the one that pops you, right? And Rock does the thing, and it's funny because it's like the first thing me time he does it, where he's like, like Hunter and Stephanie come out and they're talking about the Rock, and then he comes out, and he's like, "We know what we're gonna get. We're gonna get twenty minutes of you going, I am uh, the game, uh, blah 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 blah." But Hunter, Hunter actually made me laugh because Rock's got on one of his like sh- his crazy shirts, you know, and Hunter's like. Yeah, 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 Rock. Thanks for coming out here, grace us in your pre- with your presence in your jammy shirt. <laughs> it may have popped me. I don't know. It was like nice jammy shirt. <laughs> like usually nobody gets a better one on the Rock than the Rock yeah. gets on them. But I thought Mick Mick would get him every once in a while. Yeah, but um, um, I was watching a thing on YouTube, and this is totally different. Of just clips of wrestlers um, breaking other wrestlers, like making them laugh, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Steve Austin's talking to Stephanie and he's like, he's like, you're out here, you know? He's like, I ought to, 
He's like, I ought to punish you. I ought to, I ought to. He's like, I had to put you over my knee, pull your little skirt up, and all the fans are like, yeah. He goes, got to be careful, though. Don't want your balls to fall out. <laughs> <laughs> and it fucking breaks her. <laughs> you can tell she was not expecting that. Like, that wasn't a line written for Steve. Like, your balls don't fall out. You know what? So you know funny. what the you know what the most impressive one ever though is, don't you? Of making somebody break? Yeah. I'm sure once you tell me I'll remember it. The funniest the my personal favorite funniest one ever is the gold dust triple H Tourette's. Oh yeah. But the yeah. most impressive one is the fact that our truth broke Brock Lesnar. That was fucking like I was like, kudos, sir. You broke fucking Brock Lesnar on the He did it TV. twice. He did yeah. it twice. <laughs> he did it in the ring and then he did it in that thing where he's like all the security is trying to calm Brock down and rot and our truth is just shows up. <laughs> like, like calm down. Like all the security guys are like calm down, calm down, Brock. And then it's just our truth like sit her down, Brock. Sit down now, or whatever. And Brock looks at him like, "Fucking this fucking guy." <laughs> and but, that yeah. shows that shows the universal love for our truth. Yep. The Brock Lesnar digs this guy, man. As far as far as the locker room goes, he is the Owen Hart of his generation. Like everybody loves fucking our truth, and they should. He's great. But anyway, I think Brock likes like like four people. Yeah, like, legitimately like <laughs> four people. You ever seen him throw the vent, the belt at Vince? Mm -hmm. I love when he throws the belt at Vince because he just throws it. It's all quiet. And then when Brock about gets out of the room, Vince McMahon's like, fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> fucking asshole. He didn't say it to his face. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Back to the back to the show. Um, Hunter and is out with China, and they're facing uh, the Patriot Del Welks. They keep they keep calling him the Patriot Del Welks. I think if he would have been there any longer, about by ninety eight, he probably wouldn't have had a mask. Just my opinion. Um, well, Cornette says, sorry. Cornette says, and of course, this is this is everything like this is what do I want to say? This is um before the screw job would have happened, so it, obviously it never would have actually happened. But Cornette says that uh Russo at some point wanted Del Welks to turn on the states and join the Hart Foundation, along with Yokozuna joining the Hart Foundation. Oh, so no, I would have been I heard that. And Cornette doesn't say it. It's in, it's in it's in Rousseau's notes. It's in his own writing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, the Hart Foundation ends up coming out, um, and the fans are obviously cheering Triple H because Patriots coming out and he's got an American flag and he's the Patriot and mm -hmm. they're in Canada and Canada hates us right now at least in the wrestling world. Um, the Hart Foundation come out during the match and um, confront confront McMahon about the HBK situation. Um, 
every heart is kind of egging on Brett, except Owen. Owen's trying to like his character's like, oh no, like, like this is getting too much. Like, like you're slap like because basically um he ends up slapping the headset off of Vince, and him and Vince end up it's not like an actual fight, but it's like a, they're just grabbing at each other, and it becomes like this pull apart. And, and for those of for those of us that were that were alive at this time and big wrestling fans, this is an iconic moment. Yes. It's the first time Vince ever got it's not the first time he ever got hit because because uh he actually with got, the chair. Yeah, Flair accidentally hit him with the chair. Or was it Pipe that accidentally hit him? No, it was, it was Flair. Flair was aiming for Piper. Yeah. Piper ducked, I think, or something. Anyway, no, but it was Flair with the chair because I remember that being the statement: Flair with yeah. the chair. And that was like a wooden, like bossel chair. But anyway, yeah. um, this was like the first actual, like fight that Vince got into with another wrestler, um, and the Hearts are trying to the heart. The Heart Foundation is then trying to get Owen or trying to get Brett to stop fighting with Vince. Because they know this shit's gotten a little out of control. And Patriot comes over and he tries to help. And then they're like, fuck it. Let's take our attention off of Vince and just kick the shit out of Della Welps. <laughs> so that's what they do. Like, he should have just stayed out of it. Um, and then there's never um, really an announcement of the finish of this match. Like, Hunter gets a couple shots in on the Patriot and he ends up leaving. Um, so it's just kind of a no-finish match. And then... Like you said, it's a it's a crazy moment that when you were a kid watching it, you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" Um, Pe- wrestling modern wrestling fans could never appreciate this shit because anybody that's like my kids' age, like my daughter's twenty four, my son's twenty one, all they and, and my kids aren't really wrestling fans anymore um, since that they were when they were little, just because I made them watch it with me, but. But anyway, anyone in their age group, or I'd say even anybody under 30, yes, they may have seen it, the old stuff, but they they didn't live through it. So all they've known their entire life is wrestling at a what am I trying to say? At such a fast pace. And 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 new things, you know, they're just, it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like the attitude, the attitude era hit the trajectory. And now it's just, you have to top yourself every single fucking week. Back then, this was like, you, you couldn't take your eyes off of it because we lived through squash match after squash match. We lived through the gimmicks. We lived through the slow paced storytelling. We lived yeah. through, you know. There's just boundaries that haven't been broken yet. And that doesn't exist. There will never be another era like this in wrestling because all of the boundaries have been broken. And the only, then the other problem is the reason it won't be is because like people will be like, Oh, like we got through, we got to the attitude era. It was like title shots, like titles changing all the time, you know, quick feuds, shit with like fuck finishes and this, that, and the other thing. And, so nobody tells any stories anymore. And now, when they try to tell a long-term story or have a long-term champion, 
that they say, oh, we need to go back to the day when there was long-term champions and good storytelling. Now when they do it, they all they do them. is about it. Yeah. If Roman Reigns is still the champ. <laughs> like, yeah, because they're telling a fucking story. Mm-hmm. Imagine when he finally loses the goddamn thing. People are going to lose their fucking mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, uh, it's similar. And I know we're talking about this 97, okay. but it's like, it's like, imagine if The Undertaker, oh, his streak, he's been five years without losing to WrestleMania, and he's just lost like, like six. Right. <laughs> the reason it was such a big fucking deal is because that thing went for 20 fucking years. Or whatever, you know what I, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Why There's a, a deal. Yeah, and and that's why I say all the time, it's so it, it living through the Attitude Era. I have two views on it. When I lived through it, it was the greatest fucking shit ever. I look back on it now, and I'm like, what a fucking mistake. You know what I mean. Like I it still, just I still, I still no it. no it's super I'm not <laughs> saying that it's super entertaining and again living through it was a great privilege I was I am happy that I was alive during wrestling's attitude era like but I will look, never looking I will back never on it now it. no looking back on it now though if you think about it it's the reason shit's the way it is now I know but I'll never not enjoy watching no no I love that fucking table. <laughs> No, again, it's great. I'm not saying it's not entertaining. It's just it it killed the wrestling business. Yeah. Did you ever watch Joe Rogan seeing that for the first time? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> he was like knocking it or whatever. Then Gillis was like, I'm going to show you some shit. <laughs> but anyway. <clears throat> um, he said they... Uh, um, <clears throat> I didn't cut off anything else you were gonna say. Right? Nope. Okay. I'm. I've. I've done something different with the show, guys. Like before, I would go through the matches and talk about it. I felt that was kind of repetitive and kind of boring, and it it, it limited conversations. And that's what I want to do with the show: is have conversations about past stuff. Um, let's see where that goes. That's what a podcast is supposed to be: fucking conversations. Um. The next thing is Paul Bear. All right. Paul Bear shows up and um, he says that he has proof that Kane is alive. Okay. He's got proof. And Paul Bear, like Paul Bear says, I got proof that Kane is still alive. And Jim Ross says, why don't you show it to us then? And, and Paul Bear, why don't you shut up? <laughs> I just thought I would say, why don't you show us then? Why don't you shut up? It was just funny. And then um, he ends up showing us, and it never went anywhere, but he shows us a burnt half of a statue. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know what they were. I think they thought I don't know what the original was intention I think it was going to be the Undertaker had the non-burnt half of the statue. That's how he was going to realize that they were that it was real, but they didn't. They didn't do anything else with it. It was just kind of dumb. Yeah, like a burnt statue. That's your proof. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're a fat man. <laughs> um. So that kind of segment just kind of fell flat. I didn't really have anything else on it because. Nothing else comes from it. They, 
after that statue, then they were like, oh, this is, throw that statue in the trash, Paul. We need that. <laughs> you're, not gonna, you're not gonna need that anymore. Yeah, I need that little burnt <laughs> statue. Um so the next match is um what is this? Something he popped up on my computer. There it goes. Um the next thing is Farouk versus Gold Dust with Marlena. Um and Vince McMahon gets a message on headset and ends up leaving ringside. And Lawler and uh, Ross are confused, saying maybe we should know what's going on too. You're trying, you're just leaving us out here. Um, apparently, the reason that Vince had to leave was that um, the Hart Foundation beat down Shawn Michaels backstage. So Vince is so upset about that that he has to he has to go check on them. Or check on him. Um, his, boy, his boyfriend got beat up. Boyfriend got beat down. <laughs> According to Hawk and Animal. <laughs> um, and then Gold Dust winds up on the outside of the ring. And um, Kama ends up beating up Gold Dust forever on the outside of the ring. And when I mean this, that the referee is, I, I think, you know, every once in a while, a referee will forget something or he'll get confused. Yeah. I think the ref forgot that he was supposed to call for the bell and comma beating up Farouk or for or comma beating up Goldust because he's like looking right at it. Like, I don't know if he thought somebody was going to do a run in and help Goldust or what was going on, but he's looking at it. And Jim Ross is just like, you're looking right at it. Are you going to do something? <laughs> and then, like, he beats him up for, like, 20, like 20 seconds. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, ring the bell. Ring the bell. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Disqualified. Gold Dust is your winner. And I know 20 seconds doesn't seem like a lot, but in wrestling, that's an eternity. Yes. Especially with something like that going on. Yes. Um, so Gold Dust is the winner via disqualification, and all the fans are just like, what the fuck was that? Um, and then we go backstage, and uh, Shawn Michaels is um, arguing with Vince McMahon about the hearts beating him up, saying that Vince is running an a, a unsafe work environment. Um, then Bret Hart comes out, and he demands the national anthem to be played. And the flag match is ready to commence. Steve Austin's out. Um, his partner tonight is going to be Dude Love. And we don't have a third man because if you remember, HBK said he was going to be in it. Well, he's been beat down now and he can't be in there. And um, we end up getting uh, the third man to the match as the match is going on is The Undertaker. And this is where the fans don't know what the fuck to do. Because <laughs> they're like, we can't boo The Undertaker. <laughs> the Undertaker, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, so when Taker's in, they're just cheering for everything. Like if Brett's hitting Taker and Taker's hitting Brett, they're just cheering for all of it or vice versa. But if it's anybody else, it's boo, boo, boo. 
the Americans, but they will not boo the Undertaker. Um, but this is a very action-packed match. I enjoyed it very much. Um, Taker and Hart end up racing for their flags, but as Taker is about to get to his, um, he is prevented by Brian Pillman, and Taker grabs his flag, or Brett grabs the Canadian flag, and the Hart Foundation are our victors. And I took two, two or three things from this match. One, it was exciting. Um, it was a fast-paced match. Usually flag matches don't really do it for me, but this was good. Now can it not be when it's fucking Brett, Owen, and, uh, and uh, Davey versus Steve Austin, Mick Foley, and The Undertaker? That's fucking... How's that not going to be good? Right. Um, the crowd was hot for it. And there's not a lot of time to you're like, Brian Pillman had some interaction with The Undertaker. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I, that's the thing with Pillman and the WWF. Because um, Bischoff was always like, ah, he was going to come back. I think Pillman... Fuck it, and, and Bischoff doesn't want to say it, but Pillman fucking worked him to get out of there. Oh, he absolutely did. He said, oh, just let me go to ECW. I'll do this shit for like six months, and then I'll come back. Just give me a complete release so I can say I got completely released in the fucking cheats, and it'll look like a shoot and all this shit. He's like, I'm going to work for Paul. Uh, let's just stay, I'll stay with Paul, and then he signs with the WWF. Bischoff always thought that dude was coming back. He wasn't coming back. No. He was exactly where the fuck he wanted to be. He wanted to go work with his friends. Yes. And he knew exactly where the fuck he was going to be. And um, I think he just knew what he wanted to do. And knew he wasn't ever going to be able to be the exact character that he wanted to be in WCW. Mm -hmm. And it just... I don't I don't like to sit back and do a lot of like oh what ifs or or whatever I just don't I don't do that in my mind you know mm-hmm. but it's like man there's so many goddamn possibilities with him that yeah, he would have he would have been an integral part he would have fucking thrived in that mm-hmm. goddamn company at that time and just anybody like, it was just it would have been great and like he was basically the fucking attitude era before anybody else figured out what the fucking attitude era was. Mm-hmm. You know, like just that character. It was it was great and I just like I said I don't like to be like, "Oh, this could have been this way or it could have been that way." It's like, but I I do think about that just cuz just what I think about. It. I think it would have been fantastic. I agree. So that's how that went off the air. Um it was a good show. It wasn't like, you know, wasn't bad. Um, a few significant historical things happening, like Brett and Vince fighting with each other and shit like that. So it was an entertaining broadcast of WWF Mon- uh, Raw is War. So you got anything on that? Nope, I totally agree. All right. Um, then we will move on to WCW Nitro. Um, this was on... July the 22nd, 1997, according to the network. Um, it was from Jacksonville, Florida. Um, 
the Nitro Girls take the tips and everything, and Mike Tanay and Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco check in on Play by Play. Um, and they mentioned that Ric Flair will um, finally announce the newest horseman tonight. So they're still beating that thing to death. Um, <laughs> Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff come out with the NWO WCW Championship. Bischoff and Hogan sit down in the ring. I shouldn't even say sit down. They lay down in the ring next to each other. And then oh, and then Bischoff proceeded to give Hulk Hogan a hand job. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, God. Because they did not do that. Did you ever hear the story of when Hulk Hogan said that um, Linda Hogan claimed that, that she saw Hulk Hogan give him giving yes. job? Yes. You know why I don't believe it? Hogan wouldn't be giving the blowjob. <laughs> if anybody's sucking the Peter, it's bull as beefcake. <laughs> no, Hogan's like, that ain't going to work for me, brother. <laughs> and, and beefcake's like, what do that could? What would do that could to a normal man? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan lay down in the ring together, and they talk about how Hogan keeps beating up Lex Luger and how Hogan made wrestling what it is today, and then um, Hogan ends up accepting Lex Luger's challenge for Road Wild. So other than them laying down together, it was not that there's anything wrong with that, but... Um, it was Hogan doing what it, it was Hogan heel being what a heel is. Like he says he keeps beating up Luger and Luger has a shitty body compared to him. Like Hogan's acknowledging that Luger's in better shape than him without acknowledging that Luger's in better shape than him. You know what I mean? Yep. Like your little buggy arms and I keep beating you up, but it's like, so Hogan's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, then Conan is in our opening match. K dog newest member of the NWO and he is wrestling I don't even know how to say this get to Shubasa no is that what you're reading it along with me right yeah, I, I would pronounce it Sabusa Subasa I'm sorry Subasa never saw the guy again I, it could have been it could have been what was his name from Raw Brian Walsh. Right, it could have been Brian Walsh in a mask. For all <laughs> I know, it was the next night. So it's not like it would have been the same day. Um, but I never saw this guy again. But K9, K9, K Dog ends up um, just dropping him on his head quick with a tequila sunrise. One, two, three. Nothing to even talk about there. Um, the next match is fucking awesome. It is the Ultimo Dragon versus Steve Steven Regal for the television championship. Um, this is when Regal started wearing a singlet because, well, he was getting a little, little heavy. Um, this is, I don't think he's in, I don't think he's in total tailspin yet, but I think he's getting there in his push headed there. Yeah. And um, the insane thing is, 
fat and loaded, he was still like one of the best 10 wrestlers on the fucking planet. <laughs> like when he was in that ring, it didn't fucking matter. He was fucking great. Like, kind of like Jake. Yeah. Or I was even yeah. gonna say he didn't get he didn't get to the weight of this man, but I was almost gonna say almost like um 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 Adrian Adonis too. Like I don't think Adonis had the pill problem, I just think he had the food problem. But like mm-hmm. weight wise, that dude never lost his ability to bump or work or right. anything like that. And Regal never did either. When it was bell to bell, he was fucking perfect. But it's outside of the shit. They went crazy. Um like reading his tailspin in his book is just insane. Like it's like mm-hmm. the most insane shit I've ever heard in my life. Um but Dragon ends up um Kicking Regal with a, with a bunch of his flurry kicks, you know that he's that he's famous for. Um, ends up trapping the Dragon Sleeper on Steven Regal, and Regal ends up tapping. And the Ultimo Dragon is the new WCW Television Champion, and the fans lose their fucking minds. Checked <laughs> about this, and it was a great match, a great moment on TV, and two. I mean. I said at this point he's one of the top ten wrestlers on the planet. So is Ultimo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's two of the best doing what they do best, and I enjoy it. So Ultimo Dragons, our new TV champion. We're gonna get a series of really good TV title matches going forward for a while. So looking forward to that. Anything on that? Nope. All right. Then Mean Gene he brings out Ric Flair. Um, Flair brings out. Um, Says he's going to bring out the newest horseman, and six comes out instead. And they're like, There's no way six is joining the horseman. Um, six calls the horseman a thing of the past. Um, it starts talking some shit to uh, Flair. Flair says that you know, you're right, you're right. I don't, you're the big, I don't need this. I'm just gonna be the bigger man, I'm gonna walk away. And then he sucker punches Six, and um, Six tries to go back after Flair, but Benoit comes out and ends up challenging Six to a match later. Um, Then the next match, unless you had anything on that segment. Nope. There's not a lot that happens on this Nitro, just saying. Um, The next match is, it's like... Anytime they were an hour or anytime they were on any night other than Monday, they do nothing on their shows. But anyway, um, the next match is the great Muda versus the giant. Um, Muda ends up drop kicking giant two times. Nothing happens. Um, Giant goes to choke slam Muda, but as Muda is up in the air, he ends up misting the giant. And so giant wins by DQ and then post-match, uh, Randy Savage and, and Vincent attack the Giant. Giant fights them off. Um, Luger comes out to try to help, but obviously Giant's like blinded by the mist and thinks that Luger's attacking, not knowing who he is. And he goes to chokeslam Luger, but Luger ends up like, like making sure that he knows, hey, it's me, it's me, it's me, and he doesn't get chokeslammed. That old chestnut in wrestling. So. My my observation for this is one of those things that I brought up on, I don't know which show, probably multiple shows. One of my favorite things about the NWO is odd combinations. 
like you know, like I've said before, like it'd be like Hulk Hogan would come out with with Vincent, Ted DiBiase, and Bagwell or something, yeah. you know. This isn't this is a fun one. It's it's like it's it's Randy Savage, the great Muda, and Virgil. And Virgil. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's one of my favorite things about the NWO, is just the odd combinations of wrestlers that would be involved yeah. in something. He's kind of a Forrest Gump of wrestling, too. Him and Lou are like the Gumps. <laughs> you have no business being here, but you're like in some of the biggest moments in the history of wrestling. <laughs> it actually seemed like a pretty good dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So Muda, Savage, and Virgil, they run away <laughs> from Lex Luger and the Giant. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> and then speaking of one of these things is not like the other. The next match we get is Dean Malenko versus Mongo McMichael. Could you imagine being Dean Malenko? <laughs> Coming to work? Like, what are you doing today? What am I? What you got for me? You're fighting Mongo. Like, God damn it. <laughs> and like we've said on the show before, neither one of us hate Mongo. Mongo's great, except when you put him in the ring as a wrestler. Great yep. personality, you know, awesome. It uh, seems like an awesome guy, great personality, fun color commentator, but he just never should have wrestled. Nope. Um, then Tony brings up for the first time something that's going to be super annoying for a while going forward is the nitro party promotion. They're trying to get these nitro parties off the bat, off the ground. And it is terrible. <laughs> um, so the nitro girls dance a little bit and everything. Um, Zabisco makes some joke about women that I don't understand. He said, women are like dolphins interesting to look at, but you don't want to touch one. Like I want to touch one. I don't understand what that means. No, um, me neither. And then Jeff Jarrett comes out, and um, obviously Jeff Jarrett comes out and distracts McMichael. He ends up duping him, or duping him? I said, but dropping. I, I don't know why I said duping. Dropping <laughs> him like like he's distracting Mongo, and Jarrett ends up grabbing him and like dropping him throat first, and Mongo sells like horribly, like he always does. And he's like staggers back and Malenko ends up rolling him up into a small package and Dean Malenko is victorious. So there you go. Um, mean Gene interview, mean Gene interviews, or I should say attempts to interview Dean Malenko, but Jeff Jarrett um, interrupts and wants um, says that he wants to form a partnership with Malenko where they watch each other's back Malenko said he doesn't need anybody, but knows their strength and numbers and um, doesn't really completely answer whether he's going to go with Jarrett or not and just leaves. So Jarrett's confused, doesn't know. Um, the next up is uh, it's Gooker versus Eddie Guerrero. So <laughs> Gooker's shown up. Um you guys don't know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about good old Hector Guerrero. Um, these two obviously are brothers. Um, no way of denying that. Yeah. 
<laughs> just, There's just no way of denying it. <laughs> like, you can't be like, that's not my brother. Be like, yeah, that's your fucking brother over there. It's definitely your brother. Yeah. Um, um, it's kind of like what, what was it, Piper? And he was like, no way. When you're talking about Dusty and Dustin, no way they can't deny being father and son or whatever. Like, but anyway, these two are wrestling each other. Um, you guys don't know a lot about Hector Guerrero, obviously. Um, I think he's the. I think he's the oldest. Mondo's the oldest. Okay. All right. But Hector's Hector's the second oldest. Yes. And he would definitely be the oldest active at this time for sure. Yes. And um, is actually really fucking good, like really good in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hector ends up going in this match with Eddie because Hector's mad about how Eddie's cheating, treating Chavo. Um, Eddie comes out first, then Hector goes to get in the ring, but Eddie attacks him as he's coming through the ropes. Um, Eddie ends up hitting the frog splash on Hector and ends up winning the match. Um, and then post-match, Dean Malenko comes out and attacks Eddie Guerrero because they've been having an on-and-off-again situation. And in kind of a good little little angle, um, um, Hector stops Malenko from beating up Eddie because, you know, I can beat him up because it's my brother, but you're not going to beat up my brother. So Malenko ends up turning his rage onto Hector and Eddie just leaves. <laughs> he does not help Hector, which I thought was funny. <laughs> uh, next up, J.J. Dillon. And um, I'm talking about just weird combinations. This isn't an NWO thing, but this is uh, me and Gene Okerlund is interviewing J.J. Dillon and Stevie Richards. Um, Stevie mentioned signing with WCW and JJ wants Raven to sign. Dylan tells Raven everything he wanted is in the contract. Um, then uh, Raven questions what he means by everything, and Richard says that he put the contract together for him. Um, Raven ends up cutting another like emo Raven promo, <clears throat> rips up the contract, hits Stevie Richards, and fucking leaves. Mean Gene just like, I'm sick of this. Like, every week with this, I'm sick of it. <laughs> what is going on? Like, like, you know, typical Mean Gene cadence. Yeah. And yeah so, um, as per usual, it's involving Raven, so it's good. And I, that's, what I, Raven, that's what Raven and Stevie do. Yes. And, um, they're basically resetting their storyline or attempting to reset their storyline in WCW with Stevie being the goof and the flunky hoping like maybe the, the normals, the normal fans don't know it already happened. Right. Um, kind of like with the Dudleys when they're stuttered and shit like that. Um, so it was all right. Um, the next match is Lex Luger versus Scott Norton, uh, who's accompanied by Buff Bagwell and Vince. Um, Buff and Vince get involved, but Luger ends up racking Vince and um, press slamming Buff and Norton. 
and the referee disqualifies them. So like, they everything they attempted to do was a complete fail. Like, <laughs> these three. Um, say really what you say what you will, you know, and and uh, here very shortly, within a week or two, we're going to get to one of my biggest gripes in the history of WCW. But as far as the build to Road Wild and Hogan versus Luger, to the build of this match is perfect. Oh, I got no problem with it. They've done everything right in the build to this match. It's until they, it's until they it's gonna to. it's gonna it's it's gonna piss me off here soon. But so we'll far, to, so good. Yes. And then Luger cuts a promo about Hogan, and um. Hogan cuts him off. Luger was trying to challenge Hogan um, to wrestle him earlier, but Hogan won't do it. He won't, he won't, he won't take it. Like Luger's like, I don't want to wait for a road while let's just do it now. And Hogan wouldn't do it. Um, the outsiders arrive to the building and then we get um, wrath and mortis with James Vandenberg versus La Parca and psychosis. With Sonny Ono. This match is total WCW. I'm not <laughs> knocking any of it, but I'm just saying, like, this is like this is WCW Saturday night right here. That's where this match should be. <laughs> be on Nitro. It's not a bad match. Not a bad match. Three good workers and wrath are in it. Um when you when you when you said what the match is, all I could think all, all that ran through my brain. Was psychosis's music? Yeah. <laughs> I guess music's it's funny because it's so chill. Yeah. He's psycho. <laughs> anyway, um. Yeah, his music did not fit him. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and if you get a speak of English, he probably would have brought it up. But <laughs> um, yeah, uh, they end up announcing that um, Hall and Nash versus Benoit and Flair has been signed for later on tonight. Um, they show Ric Flair talking to Kurt Hennig backstage. Um. um Psychosis um, attempted to uh, basically ladder the buckles like run up them, but he just he just fucking doesn't get it and just falls right in his fucking face. Um, so it was like an actual botch. Then there's two big dives from uh, um, La Parka and Psychosis onto Wrath and Mortis, um, but Wrath and Mortis end up coming back, and Wrath and Mortis hit. Uh, their, their little neck, break, neck breaker power bomb combo onto psychosis. One, two, three. Mortis and Wrath are your winners. No surprise there. Um, so, anything else on that? Nope. Nope. Next up, they're back. It's Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, and Virgil. <laughs> this time it's Buff facing Booker T. Um, not a bad match. Maybe if they would have done this one on Raw. 
Things might have been different. Probably not, <laughs> though. Um, um, but Norton ends up hitting Booker from behind in the ref and from behind the ref, and uh, Bagwell ends up getting the blockbuster on Booker, and your winners buff Bagwell. Just is what it is. Just a match. I think it would have been funny if they tried to do some more shit. It just didn't work out again. Like, yeah. <laughs> be the like, we're, goofs of the we're, 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 we're having a bad fucking night. <laughs> um, then this Mean Gene. This is, this is one of those questions. Or one yeah. of those times where you can ask the question. Um, I know he had long, significant careers in both promotions. But in your mind, Booker T, WCW guy or WWF guy or WWE? He became a WWE guy. He did, but when I think of him, I think of him as a WCW guy. Yeah. And I know he, he's had a longer career in WWE and everything, but when I think of Booker T, I think of WCW Booker T. I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying. To me, I, I just think of him as a WWE guy because he finally got to bring out his actual personality. Yeah. No, and, and again, like I said, it's all subjective. Yeah. I guess I think of Harlem Heat when I think of WCW. Mm-hmm. Like I think of him and his tag team as more of WCW than his singles run in there, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. Even though his singles run in WCW was amazing, mm-hmm. I just singles work Booker. I think of him more of the crazy ass Booker T. <laughs> um, but Mean Gene ends up interviewing Ray, the injured Ray Mysterio, and um, Ray's talking about his injury, and then Conan comes out to confront him. And Ray saying that he turned his back on his community and his Rasta and all that, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And um, uh, Conan, like, basically calls him like a little puppy. And, like, he kicks the crutch out from under him. And and he's ready to beat him up. Mean Gene's like, he ain't having none of this either. But then a bunch of the other little Mexicans, I should say, a bunch of the other luchadors run out. And they, they surround they surround uh, good old Rey Mysterio. So basically, it's all the luchadors that Conan has claimed he brought to the country and helped get to America. They're all pissed at him now because he's turned on them and joined the NWO. Um, and then they're panning. This means nothing, but they're panning the crowd. And I noticed. So it must have been something that this this radio <clears throat> this radio thing was doing. Um. There's a bunch of signs for the raid, the morning broadcast of Big Ape and the Morning Zoo. <laughs> so I'm sure they were like, if you get your if you get your sign on the show with Big Ape and the Morning Zoo, you could run the like you know what I mean. There was had to be some kind of contest. Or they won tickets, so you had to take your big ape in the morning zoo. Or yeah, I was gonna say 
Get your big ape in the morning zoo sign on TV and you'll get to go to the Gin Blossoms concert this yeah. Saturday night. Either that or they gave tickets away for this thing and one of the fucking things was you had to take a big ape in the morning zoo sign. But yeah, it's, I googled it. I couldn't find nothing. So I don't know what big ape is. But that I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Is it? I don't listen to radio, so I have no idea. I don't know if there's those crazy radio morning I, people anymore. I, I'm I'm sure there probably are, but and I don't I honestly I don't listen to I don't listen to the radio much anymore either. But um, most of what I hear now, most morning show radio things are like syndicated, you know. Like they're 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 uh, they're a morning show for like twenty seven radio stations instead of like we're the you know like we're the guys for ninety eight nine the bear or whatever yeah. they're not they're not the ninety eight nine the bear DJs they're just they're getting they're getting piped in from fucking Chicago or something yeah. on twenty seven different stations they just work for iHeartRadio yeah yeah but so if you guys don't know what we're talking about that's a very eighties nineties exclusive thing these these annoying ass <laughs> fucking morning radio guys wiener in the butt like from uh <laughs> yeah by the way if none of you if you uh, and i know there's probably going to be people like but you're you're talking about howard stern and don imus and blah 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 my favorite morning dj of all time was Denny Schaefer on 92.5 Kiss FM in Toledo, Ohio. But that's anyway, that's because, that's because he was the morning DJ when I was a teenager. So yes. obviously he was my favorite. Yes, and he was entertaining. And I've never really liked Howard Stern, so I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I've never really liked him, not even as a kid. I don't like that type of, I don't even say that type of humor. I just don't like him. I don't know. To me, that's not, that's not, I don't want to say it. It's the cheap laugh. It's the easy, it's the low hanging fruit. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I just, I'm not into it. I like, I like stuff to be like, you got to think about it, you know? Right. Just some girl fucking riding a sex bike. That's, that's easy. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, okay, Big Ape. We're talking about the Big Ape. Well, now we're moving on to um, DDP versus my or Kurt Hennig versus Mike Rotunda is on this show. Um, DDP ends up coming out and like Hennig obviously wins that match. And then DDP comes out and attacks. I think this is, is this Hennig's, this is Hennig's first match in WCW, isn't it? I think up until now, I don't think he's had a match. Yeah, he has. He was in that tag team match, remember? Oh, okay. Well, was, maybe this is his first match on Nitro. I don't know. Anyway. He was, he was the impact player. And him and That's DDP right. end yeah. up. Okay, so yeah. It, so this is his first match on Nitro then. Yeah. On TV for WCW. Yes. Okay. Um, D, so DDP comes out and attacks Hennig after the match. Um, but Hennig ends up taken over but then ddp ends up getting the diamond cutter on kurt hennig and kurt hennig rolls out and runs away um not bad D like he gave hennig a win on tv 
Like it wasn't just Paige comes out and drops him, you know. Mm-hmm. It was a little back and forth thing, and so it wasn't it wasn't bad. I think later on they kind of lose the plot with Hennig. I think they, I think they dropped the ball when we get into it later on, and we'll talk about it. It's kind of like you, what you were talking about with what's going to happen with Hogan and Luger. I kind of feel like that about the Hennig situation, but anyway. Um, the main event is Hall and Nash. Um, I thought it's Hall and Nash. I forget what thing it was when he said it like that, but no, he said NWS says Hall and Nash. <laughs> I forget what it was, but he said it like really quick. Um, fucking dusty man. <laughs> uh, but Nash and Hall are going to be facing um, Ric Flair and Chris Benoit. It's a good match. Um, but the outsiders end up winning, which I, whatever. Um, Flair gets trapped in the buzz killer. And then they're like, they're beating down Benoit as well. But then the Steiner brothers come out to make the say, because they're obviously feuding with the outsiders. And that's how we go off the air with, uh, Benoit Flair and the Steiner brothers kind of running off the NWO. Like I said, not a lot happened on this nitro. Yeah. But I want to, I want to, I want to mention something just real quick. And this is, this is like literally me scanning through my wrestling brain very quickly. So somebody's probably going to tell me I'm fucking wrong. And you're right. This was just like a, a raw definitely won this night. Yeah. <laughs> um, and nitro is kind of forgettable. However, I, 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 and, and and it's I know that they probably were in six man tags and eight man tags and blah 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 because they were in the horsemen together, but I want people to think about the fact that this might be. And I'm uh, somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong. This might be the only time that two of the greatest wrestlers of all time had a actually were a tag team, just a just a two on two tag team team. Ric Flair and Chris Benoit. As a tag team, I am gonna say that you're probably right because I've, like I said, I've been watching a lot. I've been, I don't just watch every week. Like I, I, I'm almost done watching '97, mm-hmm. and I don't really. Remember I don't think it. they. I don't think they ever teamed in WWE because because by the time they would have even had any interaction in WWE. That have uh, no reason Flair, to when, and Flair was Flair was 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 Triple H's guy, you know, like he yeah. was his manager or whatever. That's so what this might like, the only reason they the only interaction they would the interaction they would have had in WWE would have been adversarial. Mm-hmm. And I do, I think, and again, like I said, there might be, <clears throat> you know, Flair, Malenko, Benoit, or something like that, but this. This might be the only time Ric Flair and Chris Benoit were ever just a two-man tag team together, which is kind of kind of crazy. And also, <laughs> the people, if there's people listening, what he's saying is, in wrestling, you can say, "I think this might be the only time this happened on television." Right. Yes. I mean, don't 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 give me a house show from one night in Spokane, Washington. Yeah, I don't want to hear about Peoria. One time in Biloxi, Benoit and Flair teamed to be, defeat Joe Gomez and Rick Wilson. 
Like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm talking about something all of us sell. <laughs> talking about something important. Yeah, I just, I just thought that was significant enough to bring up. Yes, and I agree. <clears throat> and I didn't put it in my notes, but I did say that. that it was, it was kind of... It was kind of cool to see him team up. And... Um, This is, and this is hard for me to say because you, you know me, but when I say like it's beaten, it's beaten a dead angle. I, to me, it's not the horseman. It's just not. Mm-hmm. It kind of got a little better when Dean got in there, you know, and they kind of brought it back a little bit in 98, but they should have never brought it back, in my opinion. You know, and I really think that. I really think that, and 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 I'm not a uh, I'm not an Eric Bischoff hater at all, but I really think that a lot of of any Horseman shit past uh, Flair coming back in '93, most Horseman shit past that is is Bischoff either not one number one not understanding the significance of the horseman. Number two, shitting on it and and just trying to make Flair look bad because he didn't like him. And those are the two. There's no three. I'm just saying like like Eric Bischoff as as a as a booker and a promoter did not respect the fact the significance of the four horsemen. So he never used it properly ever. Yeah. And again, he did a lot of things right, but I would never say that he he used Ric Flair properly. I'll never say that he used the Horseman properly because he fucking didn't. <laughs> he just didn't. And it just it was what it was. And I understand why Flair tried to fucking tear his eye out when he got the chance. Like you son of a bitch. <laughs> like there's a lot of people where I'm like, dude. You're hating on Bischoff now, but he gave you an opportunity. You know what I mean? But yeah. in Flair, like, what if I'm if I'm only looking at it from Ric Flair's perspective, I'd probably want to tear his eyeball out too. Fuck yeah. this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody in this locker room has ever drawn any money except Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> right, you cock. Ric Flair is standing right there. <laughs> One of my favorite things Raven ever said. He's like, "Fucking Ric Flair is standing right here, like he's right there." Like, I, the I promise you, about? I promise you, Dusty wasn't even in the room because he wouldn't have said that if Dusty was in the room because he respected Dusty. Yeah, but he 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 literally took that moment to shit on Ric Flair in front of everybody, and was like, "I'm going to bankrupt his family, and they're going to live on the streets." He said that in a meeting. <laughs> And Jericho with that one was like, what the fuck is going on? This guy that runs the company, he's all of our bosses, just said he's going to take one of his employees and bankrupt him, put him out in the streets. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, like, Bishai, like, Flair, like, Jericho's like, I think he lost his mind. Like, I think he went fucking crazy or whatever. But yeah, um, I just don't think he got it. And, it wasn't anything. <clears throat> he didn't. Res- he didn't understand the history. 
Like no, he, he, didn't. He, he didn't understand the history of the company or respect the history of the company. He didn't respect Ric Flair. I'll say this. I think, to be honest with you, I think he actually is the person that drove the wedge between Flair and Hogan. Because if you look at Flair and Hogan, any time they've interacted where Bischoff wasn't involved, they have an amazing amount of mutual respect for each other. Oh yeah, like that's um, that's in Flair's book. I don't know if you if you remember that out of the book, but that's how Bischoff found out that he could possibly get Hogan because Flair was talking about that '93 um, Starcade where he beat Vader, mm-hmm. like with with his family and all that shit. And then he's just in a, in a just a random conversation. Told Bischoff, he's like, yeah, Hulk called me yesterday. And I was like, you made me, it's like, I'm just dropping my kids off at school. I just want to let you know you made me cry like a baby last night, old man. You know, great fucking mm-hmm. job. And then Bischoff was like, you know, how, like you and Hogan are like friends. Well, of course we are. We, yes, we are. We are yeah. the, like, like the two, the two the, biggest wrestlers in the fucking world. <laughs> right. Yes. Like there's obviously a mutual respect there. Yeah, like, like <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're the only ones. Like we're the, you know what I mean. Like not the only ones, but you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. we're like, like I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Troy Aikman and Dion Sanders are like, what's up, my man? You know, like there's yeah. there's a there's a time you're like you're in an air, you're yeah. in an air that, that like like there's only like three guys that know what our life is like, right? <laughs> but yeah, Bischoff was like, you and Hogan are friends, and he's like, yeah. Of course we are. Like, you think it's real? Like I have a feeling that he's like, you think it's real? Like I hate this guy. I don't fucking hate him. But and then Flair, like that. And I that, think and that's the, and that's that's the difference between the office and the boys. Yeah, you know. But like, see, that's like, also where Flair, I think, had a little because I don't think they have problems with each other anymore. But that's the other thing that Flair didn't like was that he was very instrumental in helping get Hogan to come to the company. Mm-hmm. And then he basically said, Hogan just kind of forgot about that. Yeah. And whipped the shit out of his kid. He said, that's the thing that pissed him off the most mm-hmm. that, that, that he took liberties with David. Like he's like, that's when I was like this motherfucker. Cause he even says that when, when he went for flares or when he went for Bischoff's eye, and had Arn watched the room and all that shit. Like Vince brought him in and was like, I can't have you doing this. You know, you can't be doing this. And Flair was like, I understand. It's like, I understand. It was just some some old residual heat. And I needed this guy, I needed to get it out of my system. <laughs> and he's like, Well, Jesus Christ, you got anybody else you want to do that too? And he's like, Yeah, I'm thinking about Hogan. And Vince is like, No. <laughs> <laughs> Flair's like, I'm just fucking with you. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about Hogan. <laughs> fuck out of him too. But yeah. Um, anyway, go ahead and take us home because I gotta pee. Yes, um, that was our show for the night. Um, uh, next week we'll be discussing the, the Nitro and the Roll. After this, I don't think we have a pay per view coming up for a minute. Um, so keep on listening. Thanks for listening to the show today. Nate, thanks for being here with us. And um, we'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody.